where are we at? Last week I talked about, um, there were two different verses in Scripture that uh, Jesus addresses the harvest. And just because of the calendar, because of where we are, November, Thanksgiving, all this stuff going on, we tend to think about the harvest. And so, you know, really it's funny, when it comes to planting, so often we focus on like the sowing and all that stuff. We're really attentive to like soil and water conditions and pH and we don't think a whole lot about the harvest. But one of the challenges in my heart is that depending upon what we've sown really does affect the harvest. Like you can't reap everything the same way. So if you're sowing corn, you're going to reap that differently than if you sowed wheat or if you sowed uh, grapes or something like that. Do you get it? Like the, the harvest, really there should be strategy in, in the harvest in how we harvest. If we want to be effective. Like if... Greg wants me to help him harvest wheat, and I go out and do my thing. He's probably not going to be happy with my mower pushing. And whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just not going to be the same thing. We, we really don't think about how we're harvesting as much as we focus on how we're sowing. Like, we're worried about do we have the right compost and all that. I mean, and then it comes to the harvest, and we just do whatever. And so the challenge in my heart for us as a church is that we focus just for a few weeks about harvest. Again, I talked about it would be silly. Last week when we introduce this for us to sow seed and not expect to reap a harvest that's foolish i mean it's silly to plant a garden and not to expect to have what's coming and so i don't want to be doing things in foolishness uh waltz prayed i prayed this morning about the harvest that we believe god has 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 in store for us believing that we've We've been sowing and we're continuing to sow the Thanksgiving meal, another opportunity to sow good seed in our community. Why? For the harvest. Last week when we started looking at this, and we looked at these, these verses, the, the, the part of the verse that we focused on was four months until the harvest and how the disciples thought that they had a lot of time to get ready. They had a lot of time before uh, the harvest was, was coming and, and the reality that, that they needed to focus upon was, was the reality that the harvest was here. Recall uh, the, the, the phrase, our preparation is a great indication of our expectation. So if I'm expecting a harvest, I'm doing something to prepare for the harvest. If I'm not expecting a harvest, I'm not going to do anything. So last week we were looking at the idea of preparation for the harvest. So I believe that God has a harvest in your life. I believe that, that those things you've been praying for, the situations, the circumstances, the promises of God you've been waiting to believe, be redeemed, I believe they're there. So what are you doing to be ready for the promise, for the harvest that God has? Are you getting ready? Are you prepared? Should he say, open your eyes, the harvest is here. Are you prepared for what's to come? I talked about our garden last week. Remember my analogy? We had a bunch of cucumbers and didn't know what to do with them. And so we just gave them all away because we weren't ready for the harvest. I don't want to be unprepared for the harvest that God intends. This week I want to continue to look at those verses. One's in John chapter 4. The other's going to be in Luke chapter 10. John chapter 4 says, My food, Jesus, or said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. 
Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may be glad. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says, The Lord, or he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Last week we, we focused on the first half of verse 35. This week I want to focus on the second half of that verse. Yeah, don't you have a saying that there's four months until the harvest? Jesus said, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the field. They are ripe for the harvest. Last week was about our preparation. This week's going to be about our vision. This is going to be about what we're seeing. I'm going to pray just for God to continue his anointing in our service. And and we'll look at these words. Father, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to, to read your word. Thank you for the opportunity to experience your presence. I thank you for the opportunity to learn from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I pray, God, this day that you would help us all in this room. Every heart, every mind, every ear would be yielded unto you. God, that your very work would be accomplished in this place. For me, God, I submit myself to you. I ask that you would allow your word to flow freely through me, that your will could be accomplished this day in our hearts, in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. I tell you, he said, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. What's going on? Recall, we're going to look at John chapter chapter 4 this morning, kind of the backstory. We talked about it a little bit last week. We're going to talk about it even more this week. What's happening? If Jesus is saying, open your eyes, what's your problem? We laughed. What's your problem? Your eyes are closed, right? You're not seeing something, right? Uh, and if God says that something to you, you know, if your mom or dad or your husband, you ever said that, they're looking for something, you said, open your eyes, it's right there. Their eyes were open, but they just weren't seeing. That's what the idea is. The reality is, is that there's something before the eyes of the disciples that they are missing. There's something in front of them that Jesus is seeing clearly that they cannot comprehend. So what's before their eyes? What's going on? What's happening? John uh, uh, chapter 4. It's the story about the the Samaritan woman at the well and she'd like a drink. I'm going to read quite a bit of this chapter just uh, so we're all on the same page. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus had sat down at a well and he'd taken uh, a rest as what was happening was traveling and he stopped here and he sat down at the well. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate or do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What is he saying to her? Isn't he saying the same thing to the disciples? There's something before you that you're not seeing? I mean, this idea of opening your eyes, realizing what's before you, realizing you're seeing something, but you're not getting truly what you're seeing. Jesus is communicating this to this woman as well. Verse 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will never be thirsty again, or will be thirsty again, I'm sorry, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, 
welling up to eternal life. The woman had said to him, Sir, uh, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come or keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have is said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. What happened? We really have to go into the five husbands, one husband, whatever else living. What's happening? Her eyes are open. I can see now, right? They're at the same well. They're having the same conversation. And suddenly now her eyes are being opened. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship must be in, or is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I think I've heard that somewhere. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why were you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. As these people are making their way toward Jesus, the disciples are returning and they said, Hey, Jesus, aren't you hungry? The disciples come back at the same time these people are coming out and they said, I know you've got to be starving. And so they, they want to give him food and he says, no. Right? They, they want to give him something to eat and he says, no. Why? He says in verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Harvest equals food in my mind. If you don't have harvest, you're going to be hungry, right? If you have harvest, you've got something to eat. Jesus says, my food, maybe he's saying my harvest, is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is looking at an opportunity, a kingdom opportunity in this moment. Don't you have a saying, it's four months to the harvest. He said, I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. What's happening? The Jews have decided to follow Jesus, right? They're following him. Why? Because he's the Messiah. They believe that, that he's the Messiah. What's the Messiah going to do? Why were the Jews waiting for a Messiah? What was he going to do? He was going to deliver who? Who was the Messiah coming for? So, so the Jews, Jesus' followers, are expecting a Messiah. Jesus has got to be the Messiah. So if the Messiah is coming to deliver the Jews, where is the harvest going to be? It's going to be with the Jews, right? Who's walking toward them? Samaritans. That's not what the harvest looks like. 
Right? Who were the Samaritans? A little history lesson. Remember, the kingdom of Israel had 12 tribes. In those 12 tribes, they, they, they split. I think Rehoboam or was the king at that time. They split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Ten tribes went north and two tribes went south. The ten tribes who went north, they settled and they had a couple of capital cities. One of them was Samaria. And the two to the south, they went and it was the kingdom of Judah, the tribe of Judah. Those are, that's where we see our modern day Jews that came from. The Samaritans, which is what this woman was, were, were the, the northern kingdom. And what happened with the northern kingdom when they settled? They began to be overrun by the Assyrians. The Assyrians kind of started to intermarry or intermix with them. So um, they allowed compromise in what they understood and who they were. And so they were actually, uh, excuse my terminology because it's going to sound racist or something, they were like half-breeds of the, of the Jewish people. They were an offshoot. They, they, they were in the same place, but they didn't have the same belief systems. I mean, think about this woman. She's at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. And she says, are you the Messiah? So they're looking for a Messiah too. The Samaritans still have an understanding of a Messiah that's coming and, and they're looking for the Messiah, but the Jews are convinced if the Messiah's coming, he's coming back for us. If there's going to be a harvest, that's how it's going to look. It's not going to be a bunch of Samaritans coming over the hill. It's going to be a bunch of Jewish people running out from the synagogue. I mean, it's going to be something like that. They've got an understanding or an expectation of what the harvest will look like. Why are these people coming from town to Jesus? They're trying to find out if he's the Messiah. Why did Jesus come to this earth? To seek and save that which was lost. Is that not the will of the Father that's about to happen? Is that not the will of the Father that's being accomplished in them? Is that they're coming because they want to experience the Messiah? And Jesus' followers can't. See. Can I see the harvest? Like, am I, are my eyes open? Earlier this year, I spent a, a long time preaching a series on perspective. I talked about our perspective and how sometimes perspective needs to change. I wonder what our perspective says about the harvest. Because we've all figured out how it looks in our lives. We all figured out what God's going to do, how He's going to do it, when He's going to do it, where He's going to do it. We all know exactly which way this prayer is going to be answered and, and what the fulfillment of this is. Am I looking for the right thing? I mean, these guys have given up everything to follow Jesus, right? They're following Him for uh, the, the reality of, of who He is to be revealed. Yet they can't see the harvest when the harvest is before them. Am I missing God's harvest? Crude analogy is the best I could come up with. Um, I had to go further east than Cincinnati because that just doesn't work. So I went to New York City for my analogy. There was a guy in New York City decided that he wanted to go green and was going to have a garden. So he went to like the organic seed store or wherever they go in, in the city to get organic seed and they bought some some good soil and some reclaimed wood or something so he could build a garden a rooftop garden 
on top of his apartment because that's the only place you can grow anything in New York City is on top of your apartment. And so he went and he, and he planted some corn and he watched those seeds grow and he got excited because he saw them things coming up and they got real tall and they got these random green things on the side. But he just kept waiting for that shiny aluminum can to grow on the stalk. Because that's what he knew. Like that's what he expected. That's all he knew. The Jews, they just expected Jesus was coming to redeem them. They expected that this is the way it would be. Did they not miss Jesus continually? I mean, I think about perspective. What happened to the followers of Christ at the cross? When I say the cross of Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, what does that give you? It brings me hope. It brings me joy. It brings me uh, excitement. What happened to the followers of Jesus Christ because of their perspective when it came to the cross? The greatest thing that, that ever happened, the redemption, uh, the, the, the price, the penalty for sin was paid on the cross. And what's going on in their hearts? They're without hope. The disciples on the road to Emmaus they look at Jesus and said that we had hope. They, like, they have no more hope. This thing, this, this, this event, this moment in time, that for me, because I know the story, brings nothing but hope for them, brought nothing but despair, fear, and confusion. Why? Because they couldn't see. Because their eyes couldn't see what, what God was doing before them. The psalmist says, open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. This morning in my life, this morning I hope for our hearts, as we begin to, to prepare for, for the harvest that is to come, that we allow our eyes to be open. That we can let God speak to us this day and say, hey, open your eyes. They were blinded by tradition. The Pharisees, all of them, they didn't see the Messiah. They knew everything about Jesus. They knew how, what he would accomplish. They could tell you every prophecy about him, yet they couldn't see the fulfillment before their eyes because they were blinded by their knowledge and wisdom. They were blinded by their tradition. Maybe they were even blinded by their personal expectation. We were at a meeting yesterday, um, and it was with the pastors in our section. And I really want to get to know, there's a bunch of new pastors right now, just get to know each other. So I decided the best way to start would be, hey, let's tell stories of how we met our spouse. I mean, because whose is weirder than mine? My wife was in my youth group. Like, that's creepy. We didn't date when she was in my youth group. None of that. But talk about not seeing. My wife was before my... She was in my life. I don't know how long. I've known her for a long time. And I was praying about You know, I mean, I was like getting close to 30 years old. I thought I was going to be the old creepy pastor. Doesn't have a wife. Doesn't know what to do with myself. You know, I'm praying about it all the time. 
But my eyes were closed because that was not a possibility. She's too young. She's in my youth group. She met my GPA requirement, but you know. But what had to happen? God had to open my eyes to the promise that was before me. I was blind to the reality that was before me. I feel like we're doing that with the promises of God. I feel like we're doing that with what God has in store. I feel like at times... The harvest, it's so clear. The harvest is so real. The harvest is is right there, ready for us to reap, yet we're still looking for it to to be in a nice aluminum can or, or we're looking for it to come in another former way that we're missing out on the harvest that God has for us. I don't want to miss the harvest. Like what happens if you miss the harvest? It gets messy, huh? I mean, it gets moldy, it gets nasty, it gets rotten. I don't want to miss the harvest. I tell you, it challenges my heart when I start to reflect upon how many times maybe my eyes have been closed to what God was revealing. You know, sometimes it's tradition, and we talked about the tradition of the disciples. It's what, what they knew. It's their life. It brought them that place. Other times in Scripture, we see that, that God's promise is about to be fulfilled, yet we miss it. Why? It, Numbers, chapter 13. The, the people of God, they're wandering in the wilderness to go to the promised land, right? They send spies in, and they reach the valley of Eshcol. They cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. This is a harvest. Now listen to this harvest. A single cluster of grapes... Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. And I gotta guess they weren't smart, Alex. Like me, I could see me doing this. Me and Ryan go out and we pick off a thing of the vine, and we got this little tiny thing, and it's so great we're carrying it between a pole. You know, no, that's not the picture of what's happening. These are grapes like the size of your head. Like, I mean, seriously, imagine chomping on one of those things. The cluster of grapes is so big that it, that they have to carry it on a pole. What's that communicating? There's a lot of harvest here. There's a lot of God's promise that's about to be fulfilled. What else do they say? That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because a cluster of grapes the Israel cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They pulled out them big old grapes, the figs. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. Let's roll. Right? Let's roll. (laughs) Milk and honey, that sounds good. I mean, we're stuck with manna and quail. We're tired of this stuff. Let's roll. You gotta get water from a rock. Let's go. Milk and honey. This sounds good. Yet they were blind by their fear. But the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and are very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. They were giants there. And so all of a sudden the harvest is before them. 
I mean, it's, it's fun to talk about the Israelites because they were so silly. They were so foolish. I mean, it's, I'm not that foolish. And they saw these giant grapes. They picked them. They carried them for 40 days. They lasted for 40 days. There must have been something good about that fruit. They brought it back to show it to them. And then what happened? They talked about land flowing with milk and honey. But what happened? Man, those people are scary. Have you ever talked yourself out of the harvest that God intends? Hmm. You know, where God revealed something and you started to see something happening, but then that voice inside of you or those voices of those around you started saying, guess what's going to happen when that happens? This is going to happen. There's giants there. They're not going to like you. It's going to get messy. It's going to get ugly. Things are going to get rough. So what did they do? How much of the harvest did they enjoy? A couple of them. The rest of them didn't get any of it. What did they do? They all died in the wilderness. They all died without experiencing the promise, the harvest that God had for them. Because they allowed their fear, they allowed their story, they allowed their, their, their understandings, whatever, to skew the, the reality that, that was before them. You can't argue with me that they didn't see it. They saw it. They tasted it. Yet they convinced themselves. Not now. That's going to get messy. That's where God's taking us, but He's going to have to get rid of those giants first. We've got to start recognizing. You know what? We've got to start realizing. There's fruit in your life. That garden that you're sowing, those plants, those lives, those friends, those things. I genuinely believe there's land flowing with milk and honey right before our very eyes. I believe we've tasted it. Don't talk yourself out of the harvest that God intends. You know, God, He's pretty irrational. We want to define Him by our ways and our things. He does things that are pretty incredible. If you try to determine what God's going to do based upon what you see, what you hear, or what you're experiencing, you're always going to sell yourself short. What other people are saying, what other people perceive, what other people are afraid of. We let other people's fears become our fears. We let other people tell us to stop. We let other people tell us when or where. God has a harvest for you. Let me tell you, God has has grapes for you. Let me tell you, God has milk and honey flowing 
for you. Let me tell you that, that the fields, they are ripe for the harvest. Let me tell you that there is a harvest that is abundant for you. But, but just like the disciples, just like those men, as these people are coming over the hill, we're missing what God has for us. We're not seeing, we're not comprehending the plans that God wants to fulfill for us. We have to start recognizing We have to start recognizing the harvest. The fields are ripe. Right? He said, look. Like, open your eyes. They're ripe. He's given you the condition. It's ready. The time is now. Isaiah, I think it was chapter 43, we talked about it. They, they spring up a new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. telling you, the fields are ripe. We have to recognize. First Peter, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. I want to stop for a second before I get too far. For this very reason, make every effort. You've got to do something. Jesus said, open your eyes. That's telling them to do something. There's action. We're going to get into more action next week. But this week, the action that, that, that God is, I'm going, to, I'm going to encourage you with is just to start opening your eyes. Make every effort. Do something. I mean, I could even change the word of God this morning and just say, make some kind of effort for crying out loud. He's saying make every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, mutual affection, mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. What makes me blind? I don't have these things in my life. Why am I missing the harvest? Because I'm not experiencing these things. I'm, I'm struggling with my faith or my goodness. Goodness that leads to knowledge. Knowledge that leads to self-control, to perseverance. These areas of me. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. I want to see. I don't want to be considered ineffective or unproductive. I want to understand. Can you imagine the, the moment like all that's going on in the disciples' brains? We're like, this isn't how this was supposed to play out, Jesus. I mean, that woman even said, you can't, can't even get you water because we don't do anything together. That is not the harvest. And Jesus is saying, open your eyes. Can you imagine? I mean, just like the aha or the uh-oh or the oh my or the what in the world is going on here? All of that probably wrapped up in a moment. Do you remember those moments in your life like with the things of God where you have those 
uh-huh, oh my, how long did I not see this? Like, I've been reading this over and over again, yet I haven't experienced it. You, you start to see God working in your life and, and you're praying for God to make a way and the way is as clear as can be, but you just never saw it because you wouldn't let yourself see it? Because you let someone else talk you out of the harvest that God had for your life? I know harvest, we talk about souls. Yeah, I believe that God, He, he wants every one of us to know Jesus Christ, but, but what about the harvest of His promises in your life? What about the harvest of His provision? What about the harvest of, uh, of, of the things that He desires? The, the peace, the joy, the love, the patience, the self-control that He wants you to have. And you're just saying, I can't. Can't do that. That's too hard. You don't know how long I've been struggling with that, God. You don't know how long I've been battling that one. And God said, no, I made a way. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The harvest is before you. I want to be ready for what God desires. I want to see what God has prepared. I want to make every effort to look around, to look maybe in a different way or from a different perspective. Yeah, I expected, God, you were going to do it this way, but God's been doing it that way and He's been doing it good. And there's a giant grape with your name on it. Just waiting for you to come and grab it. I mean, it's been waiting it's just there, plump and juicy. I mean, you can make some grape juice. I don't know what, grape jello. I don't care what you do with it. It's there. The harvest is there. I just can't see it. I'm going to pray for us this morning that God opens our eyes. I'm going to encourage you this morning to ask God to open your eyes. I'm going to encourage you this morning as if we spend some time in prayer to say, God, am I seeing all that you have for me. For some, we may need to open our eyes to the very truth of, of a God who loves us. Maybe the, the first promise we need to, to reap, the first harvest we need to experience is the promise of God's love that while we were still sinners, He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. Maybe it's the reality that your sins, they've been forgiven. It's gone. It's gone. It means the promise of a friend, of a loved one, of someone you've been sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with. Maybe it's the provision that you've been waiting for. Maybe it's something else in your life. Maybe it's that faith that you have need of, that joy that you've been seeking. God says it's there. Father, I come to you this morning. thank you that you're the God of the harvest. God, the psalmist said, open my eyes. Jesus said, open your eyes. I know uh, Elijah or Elisha said, open 
Elisha said, open your eyes to his servant. God, I pray this morning that we would open our eyes. God, if we're not seeing because our eyes are closed, open our eyes. If we're not seeing because of our expectations, because of our traditions, because of, of, the, of the plans that we've desired, the way that, that, that we've designed that this was all going to work, God, I pray that you open our eyes this morning. If it's fear, what's going to happen? What will people say? What will their response be? How will they respond to the harvest? There's giants there. Wicked, vicious people. They will tear me up, chew me out, uh, chew me up and spit me out. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Your harvest isn't defined by my fear. Give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see all that you have. It's in Jesus' name. It's the worship team leads us in a chorus. I encourage you just to say a simple prayer, asking God to open your eyes. If you say, I don't know how to do that. That just seems too crazy. You want someone to pray with you. You can come to the altar. I'll pray with you. You can find someone you trust in church. You can pray with them. But I want my eyes to be open. It's harvest time, amen? It's harvest time, amen? I expect. I'm getting ready. I want to see. Lord bless you and keep you. May make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may the eyes of your heart, may your eyes be open to the harvest that that the, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, has laid in your life, has prepared for you. Amen? Be blessed.